0: Philippians is all about God pursuing us. The one who wrote the letter to the Philippians in 62 A.D., the one who wrote it, his life is all about God pursues us. The woman he bumped into 49 A.D., who started the church at Philippi, Her life is all about three words. God pursues us. And the jailer in Philippi, who had not Paul and Silas been there when the earthquake had happened, his entire life would have been changed. Instead of he and his household being saved for the kingdom, he would have ended his life on that night. God pursues us. Acts 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Pergia. They wanted to go to Asia, but the Holy Spirit said, God does not want you in Asia. When they came to the border of Asia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But God came and said, the Spirit of God does not want you in Bithynia. In the Apostle Paul says, I want to serve your kingdom, make up your mind. I thought you wanted me in Asia. I thought you wanted me in Bithynia. And that night he lay down, and in the middle of the night he had a dream and a vision. A man of Macedonia came to him in the dream and said, come over to Macedonia. We want you to help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready to leave for Macedonia. He said to Silas and Timothy, God doesn't want us in Asia. He doesn't want us in Bithynia. He wants us in Macedonia. He wants us in the city of Philippi. I don't know yet why, but that's where He wants us. And they put out to sea and they sailed to Samothrace, And from there they traveled to Philippi, which was the leading city of the province Of Macedonia. What does the word pursue mean? It can mean two things. It can mean to follow after someone in order to overtake them or capture them or to defeat them. If you're running a 5K race and it's the last half mile, you see people in front of you and you got, if you got anything left in you, you pursue them to try and finish before they do. There is a second meaning of the word pursue. It can mean to employ measures to accomplish a goal. To follow a course of action in order to accomplish a goal. I want to get my master's degree in engineering. It's going to take me four years to do it. Here is what is going to be every step that I need to take in order to accomplish that goal. When we talk about God pursuing us, both definitions are employed. God follows after you because he wants to capture you. He wants to overtake you for his kingdom. To capture you, as Jesus says in John ten ten, 10, I want to capture you not to harm you. I want to capture you not to enslave you. I want to capture you in order to bless you. Because I know something you don't know. A doctor says, take this medicine, you'll feel better. You trust him, you take the medicine, you feel better. Jesus understands something you don't. If he pursues you and captures you, your life will be blessed. The abundant life he talks about is this. If you don't have me, you're going to live for yourself. If you don't have me, fighting and arguing with people is going to be part of your life. You're going to live for yourself. You're going to be self-critical. You're going to be judgmental. Everything's going to revolve around you. And guess what? No one's going to want to be around you all that much. You're going to be a plague to them. If I capture you and transform you, Romans 12, verse 2, if that happens... You're going to have nine things in you. One is going to be joy. One's going to be peace. One's going to be patience and kindness and goodness and gent. If I capture you, I'm going to put myself in you. Remember two weeks ago, we talked about Titus 2.13. We read it every Christmas. tells us why Jesus came as a babe of Bethlehem. Number one, to forgive our sins. Number two, to set aside a people eager to do good works. Doesn't say forced by God to do good works. It doesn't say you're going to have a guilty conscience if you don't do good works. It doesn't say you're going to go to hell if you're not, if you don't do good works. It says you're eager to do them. And the only way that happens is if God pursues us and captures us. The most important blessing of Him pursuing us When you die, when your spouse passes, when your mom and dad passes, heaven forbid, when your son or daughter passes, he promises that if he pursues you, you have this faith in his promises, everlasting life. God pursues in order to bless John 15, 10, he's coming to the end of his ministry, he's throwing out a lot of stuff because he doesn't have much time left. John 15, 10, he says, if you allow me to pursue you and I capture you, and if you follow my teachings pertaining to life, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, my joy will be in you and the joy you're always searching for Your joy will be complete. But I have to capture you. My spirit has to capture you. He uses every means possible to make you one of his disciples, to make you one of his followers, to make you one of his torchbearers. Didn't he say, if my light gets inside of you, I want you to let your light shine because it'll be my light. Let your light shine before men that they may see this goodness and kindness and peace and joy coming out of you. And they'll give thanks to God that at that moment in your life, you came walking in. I pursued you so you could pursue someone else. You are God's goal. He has designed a course of action specifically for you. Whatever happened to you when you were three years of age, six years of age, nine, twelve, fifteen, twenty-two, thirty-eight, whatever happened in your life, a plan designed by God specifically for you for one purpose, that you might come back to Him. The thief on the cross, every plan God had for him, it was thwarted. Until the final act of that man's play. Final act, him hanging on that cross. And what does God do when he's hanging on the cross? He pursues him. And the man says, God, you have a one. I believe in you. And the promise became what? I'll tell you what, buddy. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Your guardian angel had one heck of a job to do. And I had one heck of a job to do. But we got you. We pursued you to the very end. And you're saved. You are God's goal. You're all that matters to the being who created this universe. That's why he pursues you. He doesn't pursue trillions and billions of galaxies and solar systems though He created them, He pursues you. Jesus said, Matthew 10, a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without God knowing it. And He says, God didn't pursue the sparrows, He pursues you. Psalm 139. God, You know me. You've dissected me. You know me perfectly, far beyond my knowledge of myself. You who pursue me out of indescribable love, You know my every action, my every undertaking, the manner in which I pursue it. You know my thoughts before they're fully crystallized. And you know my words before they leave my tongue. Maybe people pursue you on this earth. Are you ready? If you're a great athlete in high school, you got colleges knocking on your door. They start looking at the film when you're a freshman in high school. And they offer you the scholarship. You get that 32 on the ACT. You do a lot of community service and stuff like that. you got colleges knocking on your door. They want you as part of their alumni. Your junior year in college, fraternities and sororities, they've taken a peek at you and they pursue you. want you to be part of their group. Academics, music, theater, all realms... Senior year, Purdue University, the firms and the corporations, they come knocking on the door. Who are your top students? We want to interview them. A year earlier, you had an internship with them. You are pursued on this earth because of the talents that God has given you. There are two who pursue you who are invisible, but very powerful. Simon Peter was pursued by two people The one got him, and then the other one got him. Jesus said shortly before he died, he said, Peter, the devil is pursuing you, wants to sift you like wheat. I pray that you're strong enough when he pursues you to resist him. Simon Peter wasn't strong enough. Denies Jesus. I've said a hundred million times in the 32 years I've been here, and I love saying it, Satan roars, but God roars louder. 1 Peter 5, 7, 30 years later, Simon Peter remembers how Satan captured him, and he said, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks around seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. I wasn't able to resist him. Stand firm in the faith. What did God do when Simon Peter fell? Simon Peter, God knew he was going to fall. And he said, I will use that worst moment in his life to pursue him even more strongly. And I will forgive him and I will bless him. And Simon Peter will become the third greatest person in the history of Christianity. When you use God's talents, you can make a lot of money. If you're talented in athletics, man, you can make a ton of money. Ten million dollars for hitting a baseball coming a hundred miles an hour. I'll sign up for that. If you're talented, you can make a lot of money. You can have a lot of power. If you're really, really smart, watch out worlds. And God be praised for what you do with your brains, the discoveries that you make. Jeremiah 9.23 Let not the wise man, blessed by God in that realm, let not the wise man focus on his wisdom. Let not the strong man focus on his strength or the rich man focus on his wealth. Let them focus on the one who gave them the gifts. Let them focus on Jesus. Make all the money you want. God be praised. Make all the discoveries you want. Be the first chair in the orchestra there, Symphony Orchestra, downtown Chicago. Do it, folks. Do it. But your end goal cannot be what you think your end goal is. Your end goal has to be him. Your end goal. Ha- Let me explain it this way. I didn't have time to look last night. I was too tired. I think it was the coach at Clemson. I think it was three years ago. He wins the national football championship there in college. He beats Alabama. No one beats Alabama. He did. And when they shoved the microphone in front of his face, what does he say? Man, I had the greatest coaches in the world. I knew how to pick. Had the greatest running back, greatest quarterback ever. I knew who to pick. Offensive line was outstanding. Did he say that? No. When they put the microphone in front of his face, what did he say? First words out of his mouth. I want to give all glory and honor to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who makes everything possible. My goodness gracious. Did he lose some recruits because of that Christian statement? Yeah. Did he gain recruits because of that Christian statement? Yeah. Did he make the statement because of recruits? No. He made the statement because that what was in his heart. God had captured him 30 years earlier, and he was living for his Savior. And you put a microphone in front of his face, that's what comes out. That's why God pursues you. That's why He's got you hemmed in. He knows all about your past, all about your future. And when He captures you, the transformation begins. And until He captures you, there's no transformation. Running out of time... Let me tell you about the guy who wrote the letter you're going to be reading about. His name was Saul. Moves to Jerusalem when he's a boy, eight years of age. God pursues him when he's eight years of age. He is so smart that Gamaliel, the greatest rabbi of the first century, the grandson of the greatest Jewish rabbi who ever lived on this earth, Halil the Elder, Gamaliel hears about Saul. He interviews him. He tests him. And he says, Saul, I want you in my class. Now when you're the greatest rabbi the first century AD, there might be about 10 or 20 students you have in the course of a 10 or 20 year period. Saul is one of those students. And as he's sitting in that classroom, God is pursuing him. And when Saul becomes this expert in the Torah and the Mishnah and all the traditions of the fathers, and when he begins to pursue Christians in order to exterminate them, God is pursuing Saul. And when he's on the road to Damascus, and when he's hunting down Christians in Damascus, God said, now's the time. Now's the time. My pursuit will end on this day at this moment. And he knocks Paul off his horse. And Paul says, what's going on? And Jesus Christ said, I've been pursuing you. And you are now mine. The prodigious talents that the Apostle Paul had. When he says in Philippians 4.11, I know what it is to have everything. When you're a top-ranking Pharisee, you had all the money and power you could ever imagine. Imagine. And with his intellect, he had everything you could ever imagine. And God said, I want that man with that talent working for my kingdom. I want him pursuing other people for the rest of his life for my kingdom. Are you ever blocked? Are you ever blocked? Paul said, Paul said, I'm going to Asia. God said, no, you're not. Paul said, I'm going to Bithynia. He said, no, you're not. I want you in Macedonia and Philippi. There was a woman there named Lydia. She makes purple cloth. There was a dye in that region of the world that was only in that region of the world. So people came from all over the world to get that dye. She made purple cloth. She was enormously wealthy like Zacchaeus. And when Paul comes, she believes in God, but she doesn't believe in Jesus. When he comes to Philippi, goes down to the river, she's sitting there with three other women. And he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ to her, and she becomes a believer. First thing she does, baptize me. And she's baptized. Second thing she does, she says, Paul and Silas, I want you to come into my home. Don't you want you to worry about where you're going to sleep, what you're going to eat. You come into my home. Make me the headquarters of your ministry. The first church in Europe, the first convert in Europe, was this woman, Lydia. First church in the continent of Europe, there in Philippi. That's why God didn't want him in Asia or Bithynia. He wanted him in Philippi, by the riverbank, to talk to this woman And there was a jailer there. And the earthquake came. And if Paul and Silas hadn't been there, the earthquake still would have come. And he would have taken his life. And the Bible tells us that he and his entire household were baptized and became believers. Two people out of 30 million on the planet at that time. And God sends Paul and Silas for those two people. Does God ever block you? You wanted to go to this college. He said, no, you're not going to send you this way. You dated the guy for six years. Three months before the marriage, he walked away. God blocked you from marrying him. He had someone else. You were looking for that promotion for the last 10 years, and you had it in your grasp. Your boss retired Bring in someone new a month before he retired. That guy gets the promotion. You're so angry, you quit the job. God blocked you. Ten years there was long enough. He had some other place he wanted you to be. Does he ever block you? Did you meet your best friend... Because of a college you didn't go to, a job you didn't have, a relationship that was broken. Did you meet your wife or your husband? Because you got removed from some other job and God sent you here. Does he block you? Does it frustrate you when he blocks you? That's what I'm talking about. I forgot to say it last yesterday and I forgot to say it this morning. Does it frustrate you when God blocks you? If he's pursued you and captured you, there should be no frustration in your life because as soon as you're blocked, you sit and say, my goodness, God, what do you have in store for me? And whatever he's got in store for you has something to do with you, but it has a ton to do with whoever he brings across your path. There will be a Lydia on the Metro train. There will be a jailer in the family that you married into. There will be a woman at Sycar's well in the neighborhood that God placed you. Jobs, schools, fraternities, sororities, everything. He has someone that He wants you to pursue because he's pursued you and he's captured you. so Paul said, Galatians 2.20, I don't live for myself anymore. I live for the one who was crucified and who died for me. God bless this nine-week study of the book of Philippians because the study itself is God pursuing you. In our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise for a moment as we pray? Not the galaxies, not the solar systems. He sent his Son, and Jesus accepted the task. In order to die on that cross, He sent the Holy Spirit ten days after Jesus' ascension up into heaven because Jesus' death on the cross, His resurrection, and the Holy Spirit coming was part of God's plan, the three biggest parts of God's plan to pursue us two thousand years later. Heavenly Father, no frustrations anymore in our life when something doesn't go the way I want it to go. May I believe with all my heart? may my faith cause me to realize you have a bigger plan and that's why you've closed this door because you'll open another one, not just for me, but for someone else on planet Earth